Welcome to episode 16 of the Helpful Huddle podcast. Thank you so much for listening in today. In our episode today, I get the opportunity to interview Rain Thomas. She is a new friend of mine and someone that has an amazing story to tell. You are in for a treat as we dive into why prunes are sexy. Don't worry, you will understand by the end of the episode. And not to mention how she is helping others. So turn up your volumes, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Helpful Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Luke, and I'm sitting here with a new friend of mine, Rain. Say hi to the people, Rain. Hello, hello, hello. It's so awesome to meet you. Quick backstory of how we met because it <laughs> happened four minutes ago. Um, we connected on a website called Podcast Guests and emailed back and forth, and now we officially met, and that's the whole story. That's what he says. We've been friends for a long time. He just doesn't know it yet. Oh, we're about to be, though. I can tell already. <laughs> um, but, Rain, I want to say thank you for joining me today for this interview. I'm super excited to hear your story because I know it's going to be a good one. Okay. It's 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 a story. <laughs> I love it. And I'm I'm ready to dive right in. How about you? Let's go, Luke. Let's do it. So, I always like to start these interview questions broad. I, I just want to learn more about you. I want to learn about your story. I want anything that you're willing to tell me from childhood to now. How did you get to this point? Um, are you talking about this point as a person that is still uh, fairly sane or a person who's a musician or just all of Ooh, it? All of it. I want all of it. Well, um, I'm a born and raised Bronx girl to an interestingly negative family. Uh, I was always very different, you know, quirky. My family, blue collar Southerners. I've always wanted to sing, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. And the blue collar Southerners get a job, go to school, life. But um, I love school because school gave me an out and it gave me a chance to perform and you know, in New York City, you get to go all these plays. I had a, a teacher, a few teachers that actually took you to everything that ever came on Broadway, off Broadway, way off Broadway. Um, by the time I was in high school, I went to high school music and performing arts where there were a lot of talented, talented musicians, singers, artists. And after I left there, I kind of fumbled around because all I really wanted to do was perform. And I started performing with some people like Pete Seeger and uh, Credence Clearwater, Hugh Masekela. I was doing a lot of background vocals for rappers and just all sorts of stuff, just fumbling, fumbling. Uh, flash forward, I moved from New York to Virginia as soon as I finished school, got real jobs, but I was still performing. And I just kept at it. With the addition of social media, it was easier for people to find you. And once I mm -hmm. married my husband, my my husband and I have been married almost 30 years. He congrats. Thank you. He I wouldn't I didn't really sing. I still had that voice from the family. You know, you're not real talented and it's not a real job. And he's like, you need to just keep at it. And I'm an experienced junkie. I'm one of those people at least once a year I like to do something that's unusual and different, but it also blesses the people I'm doing it for or with as with me. I'll go stay on your farm for a couple of weeks, help you with all the cattle. I'll go help you milk your yak. I've been on bad audit. I mean, just experiences. 
And I think that's opened up a lot because during a lot of those experiences, I met people who did want to hear me sing and they did read my books and they promoted my stuff. And I've been a um, voluntary spokesperson and fundraiser for cancer and breast cancer since 1976. And that was just a thing. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't know that what I, that's what I was doing, but it's just kept going and meeting all these different people and being able to perform at events and for for um, teams and socials and just kind of put me where I am today. Thank you, social media. I love it. And that's, I mean, that's kind of like the new wave of things, right? Social media oh, has opened yeah. up so many doors for so many people. I mean, even just doing this podcast. So, right. so I, I totally get it. And bravo for you for sticking with it and having that community around you to support that. Yeah, because I think that's where, I mean, it sounds like a straight line, but trust me, it was a lot of falling off the cliffs without a parachute and then jumping off without a parachute and then having a parachute once you hit the ground. <laughs> it's <laughs> been a lot of twists and turns, but um, it, it's, I wish it had been a straighter line, but it's not, and that's okay. It's it's interesting. There's never a dull moment. Let's put it that way. I believe it. And I think those non-linear paths are just so relatable to everybody. And that and I kind of want to dig in on those on you if you don't mind. Like what are some of those? I don't know if you want to call them backtracks, but you said jumping off a cliff without <laughs> a parachute. Sometimes you just go straight down. What are some of those moments for you? Oh, there's so many. I don't even know how many I could dig. Well, getting, I guess one of the biggest ones for me is getting from under the mental stress and beliefs that you are not valuable. That's mm -hmm. huge because the people who are supposed to protect you have, uh, have allowed themselves to make you feel like there's nothing you can do. You are not important. You are not talented. And life for me, thank goodness, had a way of bringing other people out that said, no, you can do this. You are talented. No, come sing at my wedding. Now, you know, if, if you couldn't, I would, that person would be crazy to let you sing at their wedding if you couldn't sing, right? Now, right. Come, come help us fundraise. So everybody needs a support system. I don't know if I knew that was a support system, but that was definitely my biggest fall is being a creative kid in a very blue collar family mm -hmm. that had very different ideas because they were from the South and I was born mm -hmm. and raised in New York City. I I didn't see the things the way they saw them. I understood because I spent summers in the South. The South mm -hmm. is very different from the North. Yes. But to not be able to support someone you say you love, that I, I still don't understand that. And maybe I never will. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm not supposed to. But that was my, that's one of the biggest. I think for me, every time I wanted to do something, I just couldn't quite get there because the voice in the back is like, why are you even giving this a shot? You're, you know, you're, mm -hmm. they've told you, you're not pretty, you're not smart. Which is funny because I've always been a straight A student. I graduated <laughs> in the top 1% of my college. I mean, wow. But you still hear it. It's, you know, it's that syndrome where they tell you, you feel fat. And no matter what happens in front of the mirror, you always feel fat. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's kind of that, that's definitely a lot of falling off and self-sabotaging because mm -hmm. of those voices. For sure. And I, I just want to backtrack a little bit because I can relate to your story kind of in the opposite way of I was born and raised in Alabama, like deep South. And as soon as I graduated from college, I actually moved to New York City. And so the, it was the reversal, but like eye opening things are different. And but when you come from that more traditional home and you're wanting to do something different, like me going to New York City, all of my family lives within like five minutes of each other. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it's just different. It's a different way of thinking. Right. Um, It can be challenging. And I was fortunate enough to have a support system when I moved, but it definitely wasn't well received by everybody. So I told I can totally relate to it in that side of it. And then like you seeing things versus how you were raised or mm -hmm. the home you grew up in very, very different. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Oh, for sure. And something that I want to kind of ask you about and always please stop me if things are just like this is getting too deep or whatever but I'm an open book. I love that. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but dealing with it's the subject of like dealing with family that may not necessarily support decisions, life decisions, things of that nature. I know you said that at the time you didn't know that it was a, a support system, but how did you kind of overcome those voices in the back of your head and oftentimes directly to your face of that you can't do this. Um, you know what, Luke, I haven't overcome. I'm not sure you can. Um, I know people say, oh, you know, you go get therapy or get a support system. Whatever. Everybody has their theory, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, you get therapy and the voices go away. But I don't believe that's true because sometimes I hear a song and a memory will come that I hadn't thought of in 30 years. You mm -hmm. know, no matter how much therapy or help or support system you have, that memory to you is real. Mm -hmm. But thanks to my husband allowing me to be the person that he thought I was, that they didn't. I've been soul searching for the last 15 years. And taking a step back and saying, okay, how much of this is real? And how much of this is an opinion of someone else? Mm. And I think because I'm so open and I am transparent as a person and I do like experiences and I'm my own best friend, but I'm also my own worst enemy, mm. just exploring both sides of that coin and knowing that you have someone there who believes more than anything in the world that you have what it takes. That that change that's a game changer absolutely it is it absolutely is and who i can't stress that enough of how important that is to have that that one person or that multiple people that you really value their opinion that are encouraging you to follow after what your heart says or your mind says or what you truly want i think it's i think it's more important than people realize i would say right Right. And I know you, I'm sure you'll understand this. It's hard being on, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially when you're not feeling it. Cause 
as an entertainer, I'm on 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Every time that phone rings, I am probably not on, but I have to be on because that could be the one call that changes everything. So mm-hmm. it always, I'm always mindful when I'm out and at the supermarket and someone walks up, they're like, oh, I saw you at such and such or and so and so. I want to be just like, get away from me. But every time that person comes, that tells me if it wasn't for that person, I wouldn't be doing some of the things that I'm doing. And there are so many people that I bump into when performing because I used to go to West Virginia every summer. They had me come out and play different characters for their theaters. And people would stop and I'd be exhausted and they want to chit chat. But the next night they'd come and they'd bring 10 other people. And the night after that, they'd bring 10 more people. And before you know it, you have a lifelong friendship. You know, because those are the same people that could take 10 people away from the show as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I bumped into her and she wasn't really nice and we're never going back. And, And, you know, being from Alabama and living in North Carolina, all you need yeah. is one person to say, don't go see them. Yeah. Yep. I say I completely agree. And it reminds me of my athletic past where the coaches would always say, and it still resonates with me now because it's so still so true, but you never know who's watching. Never. And, and yeah. And in the sense of like, when it was first told to me, it was more of like, you never know when a scout is watching you. But as you grow up, you start realizing like in it's in everything. You never know who's watching. You never know mm-hmm. if your work is your manager watching you is a, mm-hmm. a child watching you that you can, inf- that you might be an influence on. There's so many different things that it's so, so true. So, and it's hard though, to always <laughs> be on. It's probably the hardest thing because that's the, what you're putting out. Isn't necessarily how you feel. Right which is why we can understand all of those stories, right? And people, mm-hmm. you know, saying, oh, so-and-so just committed suicide. Why didn't they go to their friend? It's not quite like that. That's the exactly. perception. And that's where it gets dangerous. For sure. Now, it absolutely does. And it's always something that's so much deeper than, mm-hmm. uh, it's just so much deeper. It's not black and white in this case. Right, right. I couldn't agree more. But, I, and I think that's a beautiful part of your story is that it can't just be told in black and white. It, it's <laughs> got to be told in color. And, that, <laughs> and, and I want to, oh, yes. And, <laughs> and I want to get to different parts of your story because you have so many, there's so many layers. But, and I want, and I'm sure there's more stories behind it, but you've, you're an author, you're a performer. You started you started your own business, and I believe it's called Prunes Are Sexy. And I think there's <laughs> all stories behind all of these things that I want to hear. So that, I want to start off first with Prunes Are Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, growing up, I wasn't allowed to eat candy. And most kids in that day and age, you know, the stuff, you didn't have as much disposable income. You had no income growing up in family. So every we made everything from scratch. So running out to the store and buying a bunch of junk was not even going to happen. And my dad used to say, you, all those people you see with raggedy teeth, that's because they ate a lot of candy. Okay, I'm convinced. So I could eat fruit and I liked raisins, but they were too small. So I would just mush them together. But prunes were like a giant raisin. They were like, you know, 
juicy and sweet. And I love, mm -hmm. I've loved them since I was a kid and people have always made fun of me. And, you know, even old people were like, Ugh, I, even I don't eat those. So I don't know, maybe about 20 years ago, I said, um, I was talking to someone and for the millionth time and I said, oh, I said, like, I love prunes. They were like, ooh, prunes. And I came home and told my husband, I said, you know what? I'm sick of people disrespecting the prune. I said, I am going to make the prune sexy. And my husband, who has heard every bizarre idea I've ever had, he's like, you should, baby. And off to the runnings, I went. I started, I went to Fiverr and got someone who drew a prune. I said, I need a cartoon prune that I can use and maybe alter. And so I started prunes making you run for breast cancer and prunes making wow. you run for wellness and continuing in the vein of fundraising every year I do one or two different fundraisers and put the prune in it so I did I had a uh, vintner out of California do a prune wine for me one year with the picture of the prune on the front and you know just switch it up it'd be a sexy prune or prunes the original fruit or you know whatever it was and mm -hmm. all of that money goes to a non-profit no, shoestring no big companies i need to see the money go from where i started it into the hands of the actual survivors so i have a lot of friends who started other organizations the same way with me. And what we did was give it to the actual oncology department at the hospital or find vetted survivors. We do events, have people come up there, vetted survivor, give them money for parking or raise money to get toys for their kids for Christmas or their families or with a lot of um with a lot of survivors, a lot of them don't make it past 30. And mm. so they leave a husband and children and we take that money and send it to them. And, you know, in remembrance or a stuffed animal or whatever, but the money goes from the fundraiser straight to whatever the fund is so that the people who are funding can see this is how it works. I have the same people funding, adding on over and over and over for like the last 30 years. And that's what we're supposed to do. I believe we're supposed to take care of each other. And the prune just makes them remember to take care of yourself. It's wellness. It's a fruit that's a metaphor for people. We like to judge things from the outside when all the goodness is on the inside. And we seem to miss that because we are sitting around judging. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I love that backstory of it. And and it, make, it just makes me wonder, like, not just so much the prune, but you are you have your hand it feels like you have or sounds like you have your hands <laughs> just like so many different pots like what what all falls under the prunes are sexy <laughs> fundraisers uh crazy ideas running you know running for wellness to, to tell people hey if i can do it you can do it mm -hmm. um what else falls under the music because a lot of times if I go speak on behalf of cancer or breast cancer, I end up performing people usually ask, or I MC the show. It, there's a lot under that prunes are sexy. It's actually the whole umbrella is red diva productions and prunes okay. are sexy just kind of fell under there. And writing the books was just a way to purge some fun ideas that were rattling around in my head. Um, those did well. I did five books and they were fun and just, oh being able to see if it can be done 
you know, because I wasted all that time being told what couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. So let's let's see how we can impact each other through humor and laughter and, of course, prunes. I mean, I get invited to parades. That's how I end up in Mount Airy. I kick off the proclamation uh, for Mount Airy, and then I'm the prune queen in <laughs> the Mayberry Days Parade every year. That's beautiful. That's incredible. So, yeah, lots of stuff under there. There's lots of, I get to play, uh, I don't know if you know who Homer Hickam is. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the movie October Sky? It was these four boys from this podunk Coldwood, West Virginia that wanted to become rocket scientists. And Jake Gyllenhaal played Homer Hickam. And okay. it talks about where there's a will, there's a way, if you if this is really what you want to do. And a mutual friend introduced me to Homer, and Homer gets me to play his mom now for a lot of for a lot of those shows and Homer's such a great guy. They're all great folks. And, you know, even, I even did, I played in the Hatfields and McCoys in West Virginia. I mean, now there's a show that has no color in it and nor should it because it's a hillbilly fight, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's been going on for forever. And my friend, uh, Scott Hill, who you should definitely interview. He's an interesting dude. Yeah. Yeah, I call him Wush because those are his initials, W-S-H, but it's Scott Hill. And he has, if there's somebody who has more stories, that would be him. He's an interesting guy. And his son is a mascot for the Capitals. He's wanted to be a mascot since he was a little kid. And there's a story of, this is what I want to do. I want to be a mascot. I want to be a mascot. Then it happened. Speaking into existence, just like we talked about off camera. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that falls under and people collecting. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. I'm curious. Who are you? I mean, if I see somebody driving, like I, I, I mean, I live in Vegas. I see people driving fancy cars all the time, but I'll stop people and say, what do you do? Cause you know, what do you do that you can drive a half a million dollar car? Right. You can drive a Rolls Royce. You can drive a Bugatti. You can drive a Bentley. One of my favorite Bentley people in the world is about eight houses down from us. And he's our plumber and his wife is a nurse. But he made some incredible investments over the years, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's and that he's that guy. So it just tells you that the playing field is out there because, you know, I've stopped some people and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a you know, I'm an exotic dancer. I'm like, okay, well, I won't be making any money that way because I don't think that's what people are coming to see. And someone who was like, well, I'm a neuroscientist. Okay, I definitely am not going to be doing that. But when you get someone who's like, yeah, I filed bankruptcy four times before it fell into place because they believed in what so deeply and passionately, it just tells me there's there's a place there for me. I think that's amazing. And I've never heard the, what phrase do you, you use? People? People collecting. <laughs> people collecting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I'm a people collector. I one of my friends, one friend named me an experienced junkie about 20 years ago. And one of my other friends, she named me a people collector about 25 years ago. She says, everywhere you go, you just collect people and you become friends and you're curious. And all of a sudden you have friends all over the world. And that is what I like to do. I I'm not someone who likes to talk to someone once or twice and then just move on. I'm curious, who are you? Now, if there's no substance there. I'm not interested, of course, but there's so many people doing so many things. And a lot of times those people can tighten your circle. You just don't know it yet. 
-hmm. there's something there and it could be 15, 20 years. I've had people call me that I've only met once, maybe 10 years go by. They're like, I know you don't know me, but I happened to stumble across you at this conference. And I'm thinking, man, that conference is like 12 years ago. Like we're having a production, you know, in our hometown of blah, blah, blah. We'd love to have you if you would be interested. I get on the phone and call that person. Let's talk. Let's talk about you found me. Why? Like, let's just create a relationship. So I believe in long-term relationships, um, especially when you're talking about repeat work. There are people with long-term relationships. They'll put you in the position that you're trying to go in, but you may not know it at that time. Yeah, I think I've never, like I said, I've never heard that phrase, but I think everything you're saying is so true. And it's just, yeah, the people collecting side of it that can become the glue and kind of pull like all, all these many strings of your life mm -hmm. and there with the missing piece. Like right. everything you're saying is so accurate. Right. Um, and I, and I want to back up just a little bit because we kind of, we dove really far into like prunes are sexy and you're, so, you're so well accomplished now. And I, and I do want to ask you like, cause I know you said you were, a co you're a college graduate mm -hmm. when it, when it comes to what you're doing now versus the education and the training that you got to do that. What, what did that piece what was that piece like? Like, I guess, what was your degree in? And then did you have training to get to where you are now? I mean, like everybody else in the South, I grew up in the church singing. You know, that's singing. And of course, my dad was a, a street hustler. I mean, he had a real job, but he was a street hustler. And so since I was a little kid, it just take me to juke joints and all these places with all, you know, the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And I just kind of sit there and hang out while he did whatever he was doing. So that's like that street training. And then I loved school again, because I'm curious. I love school. I loved my teachers. I love learning about people in other places. Of course, there was no social media. So reading was my social media. People were living in places and speaking different languages and playing different instruments and, you know, going out in the morning, doing things that I was definitely not doing, you know, living in New York city. Um, that prepared me. And I went to school and became a great student just so I could get away from my family. Mm -hmm. That was instrumental for me. And I didn't even know how I was going to do it because all I wanted to do was be a performer. I wasn't interested in going to school, but it wasn't strong enough to make that leap. Because unlike now, if we had social media and I could see there was a whole world out there performing, after high school, I would have been in that world. But Instead, I'm told if you don't have an education, you're never going to you know, make any money. You can't get a job, blah, blah, blah. So um, after going to college for quite some time, the dean called me in one day and said, look, you need to pick a major, two majors and a minor because you have all of these classes you've been taking and you need to graduate. <laughs> so um, I got out with the human services, social science and a minor in music. Gotcha. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and I, I think you actually started touching on something that I think is super important. Um, and it's like your your realization that you can do what you want to. Um, because you like you're talking about, you can be a performer. There's a whole different side of it that college may not isn't always the right path for everybody. You and mm -hmm. I are both college educated, but 
there it's not the right path for everybody and doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful um but there is a mindset to doing what you did and like you started your own business and doing all these things but there's a mental hurdle that a lot of people have when it comes to taking the leap to do that because a lot like just like we both did you grow up being told education 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 go to college get as educated as you can work the eight to five or whatever it might be and but you're working for somebody in many of those cases but a lot of people are more entrepreneurial than that they want to work for themselves they want to do something different that maybe the corporate world doesn't offer and that's something that you have done and i'm just curious what that what how did you get over like the i guess the mental hurdle that a lot of people have which is taking the leap and just doing it because i'm psychotic (laughs) that is the only (laughs) that is the i ask myself that all the time i mean I don't know. I am fearless because I've always said, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Because I've seen the worst things that could happen, at least, you know, I mean, in those situations. And I I think it's sometimes fun to see what's on the other side. It's, but it's, there's a certain psychotic element to your thinking of, of, of doing those kind of things because it's all or none, you know, it's, it's, that's cliche, but it's true for me. My husband is black and white. Mm. I'm like, let's go live in Ireland. What's the plan? That is the plan. No, that is not a plan. My best friend who is since childhood, same thing. I say to her, even when we were like 18, 19, I'm like, let's go to so-and-so. She's like, okay, how much is it going to cost? And how long are we going to stay? Who cares? Let's just go and figure it out. She's like, absolutely not. What's the plan? Sometimes there is no plan. Um, I have huge faith. I am very spiritual, not religious, spiritual. And I believe that my faith has to be bigger than my fears because Mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, let's put it this way. I had a teacher in junior high school. He is one of my favorite teachers ever. And he used to say, when you get out of here, don't get paralysis of analysis because then you'll never do Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that because I've watched so many people. I've, I talked to people I haven't seen 30, 40 years. How are you still doing the same thing you were doing when I talked to you? 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Oh, I'm getting ready to go get my driver's license. I'm like, why? You're like getting ready to go in the nursing home now. What are you going to do with a driver's license? Like, you should just, there's some plan that they're waiting to happen. And mm-hmm. I just believe that God has a bigger plan for me. And I have to get out of my way because I do like to tell God how to drive. <laughs> when I get out of my way, uh-huh. things start to unfold. And I just feel like no matter what I do, as long as it's a blessing to someone or to myself. I I, th- I believe there's a safety net somewhere. And trust me, I've done some dumb stuff that I'm like, oh, would I do that again? Absolutely not. Would I do it maybe once or twice under a different circumstance? Probably. I think, and I think that's so relatable in that whole story. And something that I've said numerous times is the analysis paralysis. And I think that with the side of fear of failure, is 
what gets in a lot of people's way and and myself included there's some there's so many things that i had wanted to do and all i could focus on is yeah what if i fail what what's the mm-hmm. what's the backup plan if i fail what's the backup right. plan if that fails and you and you end up never doing it and there is a beauty and a faith of jumping in two feet two feet first no parachute or a parachute and what you were talking about like the trip to ireland and things of that nature mm-hmm. like I've always heard this phrase. Typically, I hear this phrase in a negative connotation, but it doesn't have to be. It's like building the plane as you fly it. Right, uh, right. And and sometimes things work out so much better when you do that. Yeah, I think sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times too much information can be detrimental because Absolutely. you start trying to put all these pieces together and you don't have all the pieces. You just think mm-hmm. you have all the pieces. Absolutely. I know I don't have all of the, I'm not sure I have any of the pieces. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out we're not even building a puzzle. It turns out I'm not even on a plane. I'm building a plane. And I'm like, I'm like, why am I building a plane? And I am currently on a boat. (laughs) That's usually (laughs) where I am. That's hilarious. And true. Um, And you know what? I get it. I totally get it. Um, but I, I, I want to, I sent you a kind of a blueprint of what we, I wanted to talk about. And I kind of want to do two separate questions with this next one. Um, when you were going, when you were building all of this and taking these steps, the question I asked you of like of mentors that you had um, in, in your life, in your life that helped you get to this point. But I also want to pair that with maybe not just necessarily mentors, but people like your husband that were surprised people that deserve the shout out for the role that they played in your life yeah well we can put my best friend up there she that that was that's been a safety net for a very long time Mm -hmm. she actually is the prototype for my husband I mean I guess God gave her to me so that I'd be ready when he came along because they're they're like two peas in a pot we are they're so identical they could be sister and brother and I am the opposite of both. Wow. Everything, everything. They would rather be eaten alive by bees than to be caught thrifting or digging in the dumpster or eating leftovers that have been in the fridge for a while. <laughs> they won't wear and not recycle, repurpose. They're not interested in any of that. And I'm all of that. I am truly that like tree hugging, you know, thing. And um, my husband named us years ago. He's George Jefferson and I'm Fred Sanford. And that's exactly who we are. I like junk and yeah, I like, you know, I, I'm I'm an empath. I just think, oh, we got to help this bro. Oh, I, how can I do this? My husband and my best friend, they're not interested in any of that. So those are the two people who have kept me afloat to this point because I didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah, there was a while there. I really didn't think I was going to make it. That's where the shout outs go there. That's beautiful. And we all have those people that keep us going. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind me asking that you just mentioned that there was a time where you didn't think you were going to make it? What would do you mind? Do you mind me asking like what that challenge or challenge is was? I guess it's just the voices, you know, you never get rid of them. And I, you know, I had been alone and alone for me, isn't a bad thing. You know, I could find creative ways to fill my time, but 
I was just like, maybe I'm not valuable. Maybe I'm not supposed to be happy. You know, they always say survival of the fittest, right? Not everybody's going to make it. And I'm like, maybe I'm one of those people who's not going to make it. Maybe, you know, my, my mom made it very clear when I was a kid to tell me all the time about, you know, not being beautiful because her thing was, she was so beautiful and men just fell at her feet. And I was never going to have any of that. Not that I wanted that anyway, but, you know, before I even get started, I'm a kid. What do I know about picking up men? I'm not even interested. And, you know, my dad thought mm -hmm. he was Hugh Hefner. So, you know, there was his thing. Well, who's going to come see you perform? You know, you're, you're built funny and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. it's hard to take that lens off and see it in a different light. And when you're alone and you hear songs or something happens and you can't tell what's real and what's not, that's why the mind is so fragile. And I see a lot of people who have, you know, ended up ODing, you know, on drugs or alcohol, or whatever they drink so much. So they don't remember. And I promised myself as I was a kid, I was never going to drink and I was never going to do drugs. And I wasn't gonna have any kids. I wasn't going to do anything that might put me in the position to where I would have to spend the rest of my life with my parents. And I could see, I, I just think if I did drink a drug, that would only intensify the voices that were in there telling me that I have no value. Gotcha. And, and I think that's self-realization for you because it looks different for everybody, but coming to that mm -hmm. self-realization of things that you needed to do for yourself to make yourself better, super important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And a another kind of theme that I'm hearing from you, and I just want to dive into it a little bit, like how, I'm, well, I guess it's two parts. One, the theme I'm hearing is like music. Like you, you perform, you keep talking about how you might hear a song. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a story like behind like why music is so important in your life? I'm a musician. That's what I do. And I think not because of social media, people don't know that they're like, oh, I know you write books or you were this or that. Like, no, I'm actually a musician. I am a blues singer. And that is where people call me to really shine. And so gotcha. with music resonates like that. And, and when you are someone who's an empath and a tree hugger and you care about everybody, you hear songs. Um, I'm going to tell you this story. You're probably too young to know this song, though. <laughs> There's a song... Um, it's called Seasons in the Sun. And the okay. guy's like, we had joy, we had fun. And he's saying, goodbye, mama, it's hard to die. And when I was a kid, because that's when that came out, I thought, because, you know, I didn't know how to radio work. I thought this person was singing to me to go find this kid that was dying and that they needed the seasons raisins, the one that come in the little box. I thought this person was singing that I needed to get these raisins to this little boy or he's going to die. And I remember thinking all the time, because it came on over and over. We only had like 10 songs that would come out every month back then, right? So you heard the same songs over and over. And I mm -hmm. just remember thinking, oh my God, he's going to die and I'm not going to be able to help him because I don't know where he is. And, you know, and years and years later, <laughs> actually about 15 years ago, I asked, I looked it up the guy who sang it and they were asking what was this song about and he's like oh, it wasn't about anything it was just like random <laughs> it wasn't anything. but that's who I was since a kid I mean how did I even mm -hmm. come up with that 
I'm so mad at that guy. How dare you waste <laughs> my energy? <laughs> that, that's how I feel about like when when we would go over like books in uh, high school, it's like The Great Gatsby and all the things like, oh, yellow meant this, red meant this, this meant that. It's like, are we sure? <laughs> If we if we went and asked F. Scott Fitzgerald, what do these mean? And he's like, that's just the color that was on my desk that day. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that is it right there for sure. Yeah. Take that lesson from me as just wasn't that serious. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. And um, so I, I, I want to just confirm like what I'm hearing as far as like the importance of music in your life. I know you are a musician. It's obvious. And even that little bit that you were just singing right there, you have a beautiful voice. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Um, was there anything in your childhood? Because I know you said that you have always been a more creative person. Is there anything in your childhood that made you like you were drawn to music because of because of this or because of some influence? Or was it just it was just always a thing for you? Always a thing. And, you know, my yeah. dad used to take me to those juke joints and Right. You know, they were talking about the hoochie coochie women. Well, I didn't really know what that was as a kid, but you kind of had an idea because you saw what you saw. But all the women who sang the blues, I mean, I was like, oh, she's like gritty. And, you know, as a kid, I started learning those mannerisms. But by the same mm -hmm. token, my family was Southern Baptist. So you couldn't go to church and put that hoochie coochie spin on <laughs> a gospel song, which I did once. Mm -mm. And that was the last time I got to sing in church until a few years back. But <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine. Cause I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Oh, you get it then, right? <laughs> I do. Oh, oh, I would have, I would love to see that now or hear that. now. <laughs> oh, it was blessed assurance. Mm -hmm. And it was the end. I put the blues and, and I couldn't have been more than about seven or eight. But I didn't know it was a blues spin on a gospel song because mm -hmm. it was actually putting gospel and blues, you know, blues came from gospel. But um, yeah, that that didn't go over well. They asked my mother to make sure I never sang again. So, yeah, it was it didn't matter. She didn't want me to sing anyway. But putting that that blues spin on the end of Blessed Assurance. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I wish but you should have been in my church. I should, would have loved to hear it. Yeah, I would have been thrown out of there too. So. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. Definitely worth it. You got the story now. Oh, is that what it's for? Oh, some it's for something somehow. <laughs> well, when I hear blessed assurance now, which isn't very often, but it, you know, I laugh about it when I hear it because um I'm sure in the Southern Baptist church, it probably still wouldn't go over very well, but it, I still think it works for, for the end of blessed assurance. I don't care. Oh, That's, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't, it's one of my favorites and just putting that saving my savior and putting that riff on the back that it's, it's a beautiful riff. I can only imagine. <laughs> um. So, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're so very, we're doing good on time, but, I want to make sure there's a couple of things that I hit with you that I actually didn't prep you for. Well, I might have actually, I can't remember. I don't always have my notes in front of me. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but you have, you have so many stories and you do so much and you do so much good in the community. And thank you so much for everything that you are doing, continue to do. Um, but for, 
this conversation and just your story in general, like if someone just jumped into this podcast interview (laughs) 45-ish minutes in and that there and there was only one takeaway message that you could that they should take away or get from what we've talked about, what would you want that to be? Um, I know you said one, but I have two. My you first can do one, three, four, five, uh, whatever you want. No, because I, you know, if there's a takeaway, I want it to be good takeaways. It's takeaways that I live my life by. So the first one, obviously, prunes are sexy, and of course. you know, um, it's a metaphor for people. We judge the outside when the goodness is on the inside, and a lot of times we miss that. You know, we just kind of take a look at things. And we miss some great opportunities and great people because we're so busy judging. And because obviously I'm in the cancer arena a lot and I am a survivor now. um, Mm -hmm. I always tell people the worst form of cancer is cancer of the mind. And that's a takeaway because a lot of times, you know, we're in our own way and we put the cancer in our own head. It takes away all of our great ideas. It takes away our peace, our rest, um, our ability to get motivated, to get something off the ground. And for me, that's a horrible cancer when something is eating away at who you are as a person. Sorry, I take notes during this. That's okay. This so, is casual. So, <laughs> absolutely is. Um, and while I, I think I knew from looking at your website, but it, it had, I had forgotten that you are a cancer survivor. Um, can't do, could you actually mind talking about that experience? Um, you know what? It was very bizarre because like everyone, I never saw that happening to me, especially since on both sides of my family, everybody lives like a hundred and they just die from raising hell. I mean, that's just the long and short of it, like seriously. And, mm-hmm. um, and they die with all their faculties. I mean, my parents just died a few years ago and they were like a hundred, but I was visiting friends in Arizona and I go get my mammograms and I get a physical every year. I am that person. My dad, he was someone who, because you can't be sick and chase women. Right. So his thing was he had to stay well and he was healthy until the day he died. And I mean, one week he was done. He's like, yeah, I got arthritis and I can't chase women. And then he was done. That was his thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm serious. Um, I was staying with some friends that I had just met in Arizona and went to a doctor there because the doctor here in Las Vegas wouldn't release my films. And the doctor out there was their family doctor had their attorney subpoena the films and showed that they saw something and I needed a biopsy and six months had gone by. Whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I went in for a biopsy on Thursday, April 28th, 2011. And on at four eleven on April 29th, my doctor called me with the diagnosis in Arizona. I went to her office on Monday. She said, I said, when can I have surgery? She said, there's a laundry list of things that has to get done. Yes. And I don't live in Arizona. I'm running around. And she said, when you finish this laundry list, you know, we can talk about it. I called her Tuesday afternoon. I said, I finished everything on here. When can we have surgery? She says, I have an opening tomorrow. And I went in surgery. Oh, I was not oh my planning goodness. 
Oh yeah, I was no. not playing around. It was that was just I couldn't imagine she was calling and saying it about me. Mm -hmm. But there we were, and I said to myself, okay, I've been talking the talk and telling people, you know, don't be be informed, don't be in fear, early detection. I mean, I've been saying this since I was a kid because that's what I knew. I saw it, and I'm like, now right. here I am. So let's walk the walk. And that's yeah. what I did. And cancer free since? Yes. Amazing. Yes. This this July 15th, whatever date that's going to be, I think that's 12 years. Wow. Yeah, that, that would be 12 years. That's amazing. Thank you. And, and I think it it and it's weird how stories happen like that because you it, you came full circle. Right. Right. Yeah, um, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. And kudos to you for being so proactive, because I, I assume that the Arizona doctor did not expect for you to call 24 hours later with your laundry list done. No. And she's that person, too. When she was diagnosed a year after me and I talked to her because we're friends as well mm -hmm. now, you know, I'm collecting my people. people collecting. Yeah. Collecting all my doctors, you know, staying with them when I go visit and all that good stuff. She's that same kind of person. And when she was diagnosed, I said, I'm surprised you you aren't doing your own surgery. She said, that's because they won't let me. <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> but I knew her character. Mm -hmm. So it has gone full circle. And just recently, actually this past October, my husband had colon cancer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah that prepped, you know, everything I knew prepped me to not panic and... Mm -hmm. You know, to to figure it out. And all my doctors that I've collected, they actually had me text them all of his vitals when he was in the hospital and what they were doing. They would read the scans. And and that's why I tell people, I said, relationships are built on trust. And it's very delicate. You can't always, people think they're, they're entitled to get something all the time. It's not about that. I call people in my phone that I don't remember hadn't talked to in forever just to see how they're doing what are you up to mm -hmm. long time no see and I think that's that's needed because that person becomes valuable and maybe that's it because I didn't feel valuable I need for other people to know that I really do value their time even like this podcast I would hope that we would continue a friendship and you know see what you're doing and if you come yeah. to mount airy during mayberry days one year and check me out as a prune queen <laughs> yes absolutely we'll be doing that <laughs> no and i think and i think i think just what you're doing is so beautiful and it and you can see kind of the spider web of events that get you from one to a, one spot to another and like why <laughs> things happen like I'm I'm sure at the time, at, at least in the moment, you didn't think, ah, I got I have cancer. This is a gift. Um yeah. and no. I'm, <laughs> yeah. But but twelve years later or eleven years later, whatever whatever the exact timing was when your husband gets cancer, that maybe maybe it still wasn't necessarily a gift, but that mm -hmm. experience prepped you for what mm -hmm. he was gonna go through to help and helped you better support him. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And, no, for sure. And I think it, it's incredible to see when you look back at, at your life and everything that you've done, not just you, but anybody like you can see how 
there all those roads and all those experiences led to one another and led to where you are now. If you say so, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my experience then, but at least in if that experience so. <laughs> for you, you can see that. Yeah, I'll take that one. I don't know about the rest of the rest of my look back sometime. I'm like, oh, I don't know what was going on. Well, maybe it'll be answered in a later part of your journey. Maybe. The one thing I do know is that, you know, no matter, I guess this is another really good takeaway. Mm -hmm. No matter where you go, there you are. Okay. If you don't fix your stuff in one place, I promise you, it will show up at the next place and the next place and the next place until you get your stuff together. I promise you. Get your stuff figured out, people. Yeah, yeah, because I promise you, you can pack up and go wherever you want to go, but when you get there, you will still be there. Amen. That's so true. Um, so as we are, unfortunately, getting to the end of our podcast, our, our interview, I do always like to kind of put a bow on it in a special in a certain way but for you I, I want I want to make sure that multiple things are covered so how I always like to wrap up is I like giving you the opportunity to quote unquote market yourself like if people want to continue to have a con continue this conversation with you if they want to follow your journey if they want to go see it for you if they want to go see you perform um and what what I also want to add is like if they want to support what you're doing with your charities, like how can they do all of these things? Easy. You can go to Instagram at prunes are sexy, P-R-U-N-E-S-A-R-E sexy, or you can actually go to the website prunesaresexy.com. <laughs> or you can email me at guess where? Prunes are sexy at gmail. <laughs> Very easy. Just, yeah, if you just look up Fruits of Sexy on Facebook, I pop up. I mean, I pop up everywhere with that. And, you know, the more support, the better. I, I love when people private message me on social media because sometimes they'll say, I saw you on a podcast. I actually live in blah, blah place. Can I come to it? I say yes. I never really expect people to come, but it's interesting when they do. And they'll come up yeah. and say, you don't know me. But I found you from social media or I've watched you for the last six years and I never said anything. And wow. I'm, you know, that just tells me, or at least for me, I'm glad I could inspire at least one person to keep going. Because at the end, I know what it's, I know what it feels like to want to not keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I totally get it. And and that's the whole, and that same mindset is the whole point of this podcast, right? We talked about speaking things into existence before we started uh, rolling, but at, at the end of the day, for me, like the helpful huddle is all for me. It's all about if I can just help one person, like by helping share your story or anything like that. If this never takes off and becomes like my my fine my work. That's totally fine with me. As long as that impact is met just by one person, that's all I, all I really want. And I really appreciate you taking this time stranger on the internet, uh, sharing, sharing your story and being vulnerable and being that open book, like you said, that you are 
And I do want to ask one last question because I know you you have that you have you're going to be at the parade and performing coming up. Um, what do you have off the top of your head? Like, what are you doing the rest of the year as far as performance wise? Oh, you know what? I don't know because they come in in all of these interesting different ways. People will call and say, mm-hmm. can you can I fly you out and you do the national anthem? for blah blah or i just released a song from a group that wrote it in vermont and wanted me to fly it out there but i have a friend here in vegas rob who owns Mm -hmm. a studio so i cut it here and it's called upset and it's a good social song it's not my usual but it actually kind of goes back to the roots of Mm -hmm. the way the world is treating the people who get bailed out and the people who don't Mm-hmm. but it's on iTunes and all that other stuff. So if you look up upset, you'll see it pop up. And it's just wherever, you know, I know I have like next year, I'll be in Nova Scotia again. My friend Donna Paisley does a lot of, she started that organization pink in the Valley because she was supporting me. And so mm-hmm. I'd go out and the people in Nova Scotia are incredible. They, oh, they're just amazing. And we've kept it going, I guess. I don't know, maybe it's what year five or six or seven or something. I didn't even know. Uh Yeah. But they, they get engaged in everything and it's a community event. So it it just depends. I could be anywhere. And, and the best way to keep up with your schedule is online. On on your website or your at least your performance Instagram. schedule or Instagram, okay, Instagram or Facebook, yeah. I usually update gotcha. those, you know, and say, hey, if you're gonna be at blah blah, come check me out. Gotcha. Everybody, go make sure you follow her. Get get the updates. Go listen to her. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be right. following and trying to find it. <laughs> go to Amazon and get my books. They're super fun and they're super funny yeah. and they have funny titles. So go to Amazon and order some books too. And is are your books found under Prince or Sexy as well, or are they going to no, be found they're under more, Rain like, Thomas? Name? Yeah, they're under Rain, Rain Thomas. Thomas. Mm-hmm. We didn't even touch about what all your books were about. We just know that you authored fun. five. Fun. They're just fun. They're just fun. Like I'm 40, I'm feisty, and there's a gray hair in my what? And other surprises after age 25, <laughs> and thong in the wind, you know, releasing your inhibitions. But they're all fun and they're real life. They're true stories about just how to win and purge those voices and the things you were talking about, how to get out of here and get out there. That's beautiful. And I think that's a perfect wrap up (laughs) on a positive note, just like that. And everyone go check out the books, go on Amazon. I, if you don't know, I will put links to everything in the description. I'll put your Instagram and all your, handles underneath you for anyone that might be watching on youtube but click on click on the links they're all going to be hyperlinked check it out um but rain thank you again so much for again taking the time to do this and share your story and again be vulnerable i really do appreciate it the pleasure and honor was truly all mine Uh, i don't know about all that (laughs) but thank you And until next time, we do wave bye to the people. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Helpful Huddle podcast. 
Remember to give us a like and a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter with the user handle at helpful underscore huddle and the YouTube channel at helpful huddle podcast. You are also able to listen to us on both Spotify and Apple podcast. The links are also found in the description below. Please reach out with your questions on topics that you would like to learn about in the future.